Matrix and a Symptom Analysis Algorithm New Goris Symptom Matrix replaces cadaver degenerative cascade or image-based decisions. Very detailed analysis of inputs from patients' pre-intra and post-operative period, level of degeneration, and resulting symptoms can be put into six distinct groups. 1. Knee, heel, groin and coccygeal pain, due to annular tear and leak and early chemical radicalitis of relevant L5 or S1 roots. 2. Low back pain, chronic non-healing central posterior annular tear, with or without trapped fragments generally sub-ligamentous. 3. Sciatica, annular tear, with herniated posterolateral nuclear fragment with mechanical and or chemical radicalitis. 4. Facet degeneration and inflammation, festogenic back pain. 5. Hypertrophied tissue around SAP and chronic annular changes in upper or lower foramen with or without collapse of disc. Ligamentum flavum hypertrophy gives claudication in stable spine. 6. Unstable spine like listhesis and deformities, claudication. Symptoms primarily drive our decision-making. Precise image analysis, when added, leads to certainty of outcomes of our interventions. I combine symptoms, visualized pathology, to improve diagnosis and decision-making. I have tried to incorporate the learning of several years from interventions under a wake-aware state into new matrix. Six common variants of symptoms and relevant treatment target summarized as Gorin matrix copyright symbol below and clinical cascade are described in detail. Left column is traditional approach, mid is symptoms as seen, and right is my approach. Matrix has resulted in a shared decision focused on a broader spectrum of surgical as well as non-surgical treatments and not only masking the pain generator or medical pain management. I have moved away from decisions based on diagnostic images alone that cannot adequately explain the pain experienced by everyone as images do not always show variations in nerve supply and pathoanatomy. In stenosis, unfortunately images still are prime factor helping decisions. Decision-making in traditional surgery is based mostly on anatomical changes in degenerative cascade, so images depicting these changes become supreme. Imaging evolved from myelography, with negative imaging of structures around the dural sac to CT, computerized tomography. Advent of CT scan made us aware of bony structures and cross-sectional, in plane of disc, anatomy in 80s. Real change, however, is advent of MRI in 90s. But MRI lacks correlation with pain. In 30% patients, either way. Once MRI was available, understanding of pathoanatomy changed, but still biochemistry and neurophysiology was ignored and was out of thinking of the surgeons. Creating a very unusual situation where overemphasis on anatomy and pathoanatomy led to image-guided decision-making which prevails even today. MRI tech further evolved with added use of dye and correlation with discography and evoked symptoms. To correlate symptoms and pathology, we in past and even now use invasive imaging discography for pain correlation. In our philosophy initially, 
we used discography, but later we changed to visualization in a wake and aware patient of the interface where symptoms are generated in a wake patient. We correlated pathoanatomy and physiology and probed in vivo in a wake aware patient to elicit concordance symptoms overcoming all limitations above. Decision making in stenosis is related to fixed location of symptom generators. It unfortunately does mainly depend on images yet. Unfortunately, ligamentum flavum cannot be visualized by contrast. 1A algorithm for back pain, axial or paraspinal, acute or chronic. Identifying where is pain coming from and why it persists and plan an action. Basis of this algorithm in patients with low back pain is McKenzie test. If on repeated end-stage movement of extension pain centralize, to midline it signifies a good annulus with integrity. Extension gives movement of nucleus ventrally and temporary de-stressing of the annular tear. Basically, most back pain can be diagnosed by this algorithm. If pain increases with extension, it is festogenic or disc-related when in midline vertical or horizontal and we can predict need for surgery depending on pain intensity by studying its response to end-stage movements of extension. If pain quickly centralizes, it may be treated by non-operative measures till it is under control. New correlation of chronic non-healing posterior annular tear with central axial back pain is a significant learning from our work. In most chronic back pain trapped fragments of nucleus, in annular tear not allowing the tear to heal cause the pain. Persistence then is due to leaking inflammatogenic cytokines from the tear and neurovascular reaction on the surface and outer layers of annulus. In stenosis extension reduces size of foramen and generally facet or foraminal cause would then increase symptoms with extension along the limb. Claudication symptoms due to anterior disc-related causes generally do not increase with extension. This may help distinguish these causes. 1B Algorithm for Leg Pain Location of pain, centralization of pain on extension, tenderness of nerve and ankle gore sign spots, effect of local anesthetic sodium channel block at ankle on pain, use of imaging is needed. Diagnosing sciatic pain main basis is gore sign. Gore sign is the first and only objective sign for pain it adds value to our solution. This can distinguish mechanical and chemical pain. In combination with McKinsey test it can predict need for surgery in a disc herniation. It is also used to monitor sciatica during non-operative treatment. It can be used in acute, chronic, Recurrent, post-operative pain. Older way of assessing pain based only on effect of movement on nerve mobility, SLR, has limitations. My sign also helps in diagnosing any lower limb pain if it is neuralgia. To oversimplify it may be said pain not traumatic, infective or post-infective and ischemic is almost always neuralgia. Commonly knee, lateral, and heel pain are subsets of sciatic pain in early degeneration that has leaking chronic annular tears. This sign has contributed a lot to distinguish knee pain of knee and or spine origin. 
Increasing use of knee replacements for knee pain makes this distinction of pain origin and its contribution mandatory. This actually diagnoses pain even in patients not needing surgery. 1C Algorithm for Claudication Basic is a self-filled questionnaire phone. Commonly answers to question 1, 2, and 3 is affirmative in mild form of stenosis. Yes, as answer to 6 questions is indicative of moderate, and yes to all 10 questions is indicative of severe form of lumbar canal stenosis. We do post-void residual urine on ultrasound examination to detect an associated detrusor underactivity due to sacral root pathology. This is mandatory in all patients over age of 65 to predict need for urgency in intervention and to detect a preoperative likely neurogenic bladder. This questionnaire is based on SSHQ by Kono et al. Claudication has been diagnosed more on narration and various tests to differentiate the vascular cause. In case of involvement of sacral roots and detrusor underactivity, as detected and proposed by our concept of USG for post-void residue estimation, intervention may be emergent. We further use a set of questions to detect anterior or posterior cause for claudication, uni or bilateral. We do no time or distance that starts symptoms of claudication. They are known to increase on standing and walking and seen in 60s. Better imaging analysis is needed in stenosis. Attention to pain pattern and mechanisms and nerve supply of the functional spinal segment is important. The ability to isolate and visualize pain and other symptom generators in the foramen. And treating persistent pain or claudication by visualizing inflammation. And compression of dorsal root ganglion and nerves. Essentially located in a small limited juxta foraminal area in the lumbar spine. Is the basis for stitchless surgery under local anesthesia. Emerging DRG neuro-augmentation technologies will be possible by transforaminal axis. Our ability to visualize pain generator and put back learning about symptom pathology correlation in clinical analysis has resulted into my algorithm and matrix, Gore matrix, changing our approach to plan back and leg pain management. Gore matrix is a clinical symptom-based cascade adding an element of progressive arrow of time and some predictability to the progression of changes and help us in understanding its inevitability. In clinical practice, it can be combination of all three symptoms together. Once the degeneration is starting to advance beyond initial group of knee, heel, groin, coccygeal pain. We started surgery under local anesthesia, thus making the pain generators stop. The mute anatomy became vocal in an awake-aware patient under local, narrating the secrets of painful degenerating spine. This made our targeting very precise. It also excluded midline axis as it is irrelevant to location of various pain generators in disc ailments. In initial presentations, we can tackle them by inducing anti-inflammatory effect at precise location based on understanding and probing pain generator. This was confirmed in in vivo visualization of pathoanatomy and interventions that were more symptom-based 
than images alone. The change from image to symptoms plus image was initiated. 2. We evolved away from images alone to symptoms and correlated images. We have conceptually replaced degenerative cascade with matrix that includes six finite symptom complexes and algorithms to precisely diagnose these in symptomatic degenerative lumbar spine and plan management. I have changed focus from images to symptoms and related pathology as the base of clinical analysis and from decompression and stabilization to precise treatment of symptom, pain or claudication, generating pathology. We evolved from midline posterior to transforaminal one-zone surgery 1980s onwards. Our approach changed from decisions based on history, images, and cadaver anatomy in degenerative cascade to in vivo visualized pathology of symptom generator resulting in surgery under local anesthesia with awake and aware patient. Learning from this gave us algorithm, matrix, and the clinical cascade. This led to targeted surgery for the symptom generator with stitchless sub-centimeter axis under local anesthesia. Surgery for disc included irrigation, ablation, lavage, decompression, mobilization, stabilization. We then extended this IP into stenosis-related philosophy of 3Z3C3W concept. So, there is a proper non-morbid transforaminal endoscopy solution for disc herniations and stenosis as stitchless surgery under local anesthesia done in an awake and aware patient. 3. We evolved to truly non-morbid minimally invasive surgery 1 zone 3 walls 1980s onwards. Our new philosophy has evolved from basic idea of taking care of pain or symptom generator in all its manifestations and at all stages of symptom cascade and has evolved over time. We take care by ablating, washing, and irrigating, excising symptom generating tissue. We are aware of 360-degree stabilization that by its very nature destroys the pain generators and nerve supply. It still may not relieve the pain if all pain generators are not removed. Pain generation in common cases of radicalitis is well understood. In cases of claudication, it needs further refinement in understanding. Thinking and decision-making and symptom analysis in claudication is more image-based yet, but imaging modality usage is not appropriate. The importance of DRG in foramen forming lateral wall of the safe triangle and importance of transforaminal ligament and flavum tissue over SAP is not yet appreciated fully. The all-zone traversing ligamentum flavum, its obliquity and changes need more attention. Location of L45 DRG is intraforaminal. L5-S1, it is intracanal just inside foramen, so access through foramen to peri-DRG area forms basis of our transforaminal percutaneous stitchless surgery under local anesthesia. This is now evolved in mature 3Z3W3C concept. Simultaneous social changes in expectations from surgery and predicted surgical morbidity, issues about general anesthesia, complications from surgery, access-related inevitable negative outcomes, 
Age and medical comorbidities related limitations and fear of surgery has now led to more acceptable new idea of stitchless surgery under local anesthesia in symptomatic lumbar spine. This has evolved faster in recent global epidemic settings and changed social and medical perspectives on morbid surgeries. Analysis of morphometric changes and evoked pain in discography seen above left is now replaced by in vivo visualization of the tear, and we can elicit pain at site of inflammation or pain generator by probing. Shown on right in cadaver dissection. Posterior midline axis itself, at times, is promoted as treatment modality e.g. laminectomy and decompression is talked about, never highlighting the key target inflammation at disc or facet and nerve interface in herniations and changes around immobile peripedicular locations of roots that commonly cause claudication. Degenerative annular tear starts inside out. Once it reaches out to nerve supply depending on location and type of the tear and neurovascular changes at this interface, it becomes symptomatic as back or leg pain. It may heal and become asymptomatic. Traditional surgery never had an inside view of the disc, ignoring the truth that the problem started inside as annular tear. It never highlighted interface of disc, facet, and nerve or DRG and changes in this interface and how to precisely target this symptom generating structural failure or failure of natural resolution of inflammation there giving persistence of symptoms. Traditional surgery was and is blind to these changes. Historically, early stages of degeneration, namely annular tear, were ignored in non-operative or operative treatment. Now we can visualize pain generator egg, annular tear during awake-aware surgery under local anesthesia, in vivo visualization, by transforaminal endoscopy, and correlate symptom and pathology better. Ignoring pain generator has led to many failures in past e.g. in case of disc, if the outline of the disc is not changed in a symptomatic patient, most clinicians are clueless as to what intervention is relevant and would be effective. Minute structural changes in early part of degeneration namely trapped fragments in non-healing central annular tears giving chronic back pain are now appreciated better due to in vivo visualization. The uncertainty can be thus resolved by new insights from transforaminal endoscopy under local anesthesia that is stitchless and can be done in a wake-aware patient. Image below shows the schematic change at skin and real target. In open traditional or micro-lumbar disc surgery, surgical damage is like a funnel or cone. Skin cut is long and working target area smaller but with destruction or denervation of intervening tissue. This muscle damage and long-term morbidity is ignored under name of minimally invasive at skin surgery. In endoscope-assisted surgery, it is like tent, small skin cut hiding large tissue dissection by mobility of the tube under the skin. These techniques are nothing new, but just a refinement in hiding the paraspinal damage by all-time talk of skin cut is small. It may be easy for a traditional surgeon to just use the new tools, but basic philosophy and limitations and complications remain same.
Blue arrow shows an area mobilized or targeted in surgery and may result in significant morbidity. Proposing microdisectomy as gold standard stopped further refinements and evolution of traditional philosophy. Microdisectomy and supposed refined versions of targeting disc herniation are practiced widely. The surgery evolved from disectomy and laminectomy to more of same decompression and stabilization for all stages of the degenerative cascade. It highlighted better visualization of tip of the iceberg in cases of herniation, completely ignoring early stage like basic annular tear, changes inside the annular walls and disc, base of the iceberg fragment, leaking disc, and inflammatory change at disc and nerve interface and symptoms correlated therein. However, in transforaminal endoscopy, there is sub-centimeter skin cut. Muscles are not cut but dilated and access is through natural orifice and only small 6 mm cut at intended target. It is safe and precise and extremely less morbid. It is visualized surgery under irrigation. Example, we see a herniation on right of image at L5-S1 showing an altered image of Cambine's triangle, we access this through foramen. The arrow points a black shadow of fragment lying ventral to dural sac and the root. Transiliac axis is an extension for proper and better landing at L5-S1 when crest may come in way. The axis remains transforaminal. At L5-S1 we go above the iliac crest or may go transiliac. A above crest B above crest 5, S1 C transiliac D transiliac bony E trans iliac CAs. A. B C. D. E. 4. We achieved precision in identifying and targeting symptom generator. Precision in targeting pain generators namely posterior annulus tear and inflammation at tear and anterior surface and tip of the SAP, superior articular process, in claudication in addition to central canal and lateral recess, is a prominent part of philosophy. Our working cannula lands on the annulus in Cambine's triangle that has to live borders. Lateral border is exiting nerve has the DRG in it. The margin of error is very low. Neural anatomical studies highlight a complex neurovascular network in Cambine's triangle on the floor formed by annulus. This supports an inside-out approach where we go inside the disc first, sub-annular, and as disc is a vascular and annular resultant surgery can be bloodless and painless. Withdrawal of the cannula for about 1 cm up to edge of the annulus can dorsally show us the roof of the lower foramen, that is face it, and its under surface and turning cannula towards head can take us to upper zone, and turning it towards leg takes us to lower zone. 5. We moved away from fusion, or helped delay it. Decompression was promoted as therapeutic, and refinement in decompression only came in form of better decompression by use of access tubes and camera, light source and scope at site of interlaminar surgery. More aggressive decompression slowly set in as better modalities of stabilization emerged. More aggressive decompression many times leads to instabilities, begetting more stabilization. So, 
change in traditional surgery started with more decompression and stopped at more stabilization. Today, even though we do not have any evidence supporting use of stabilization and hardware in auto-stabilizing degenerative spine except maybe in symptomatic instability or deformity, it is taken as non. Now more complex, technically demanding and higher risk interbody fusion techniques such as ALIF or TLIF are advocated for younger, active patients or patients with a higher risk of non-union. Fusion patients have been known to use significant resources postoperatively and have long-term pain and utilization of psychotropic medication. Recently, there is a surge in restoring sagittal balance in degenerated lumbar spine. The measure of radiographic pelvic and spinal parameters for sagittal balance analysis has gained importance in reconstructive surgery of the spine and particularly in degenerative spinal diseases. It will need a critical analysis to see if this really alters the natural history and outcomes of the degenerative symptoms and pathology at all. Conventional wisdom says it does not alter natural history. Recently, professional societies have reconsidered guidelines for fusion and critical analysis of the evolving evidence shows its limited indications. However, these can be prime target areas for endoscopy. Root cause analysis lead us to concept of transforaminal surgery stitchless and under local anesthesia in a wake-aware patient for disc herniation and related painful ailments and now to symptomatic narrowing or stenosis. This brings change of narrative 1Z to 2Z then to 3Z and 3Z3W stenosis surgery. I have more than two decades of experience with transforaminal axis and surgery in a wake and aware patient, stitch less and under local anesthesia that covers many limitations of the present-day traditional approach and also has evolved from initial endoscopy for disc herniation. Treatment of symptomatic degenerative lumbar spine has drastically changed from traditional decompression and fusion that is guided by images due to refined pathophysiology and understanding of symptom, pain and prodication generators. This has led to change in philosophy, equipment and access as most symptom generators are in all around intervertebral foramen. Once we were precise, we could enable further innovation by probing pathoanatomical change and access and act on it. This was beginning of our transforaminal endoscopic surgery for disc annulus and nucleus in all symptomatic locations. The disc migrations made us cross over the physical boundaries of the disc towards canal after closing the end plates and after ventral non-articular facet undercutting. Lumbar degenerative spinal stenosis surgery narrative is predominantly based on posterior midline axis only to posterior bony wall and ligamentum flavin. The understanding and access to all-around changes in anatomy and physiology that make a patient suffer are not out of this bias. We overcome bias of image-based traditional understanding by thinking of where is claudication coming from and why it is progressing, thus concentrating on symptom generators in all three zones and three walls studied in three planes. For a better correlation between pre- and intraoperative findings, it is helpful to have anatomical landmarks 
that can easily be identified on images as well as during surgery. In traditional axes, posterior elements such as facet joints, laminae, and pedicles are key structures for anatomical approach to the lumbar spine. A new transforaminal axis-based classification that works in relation to end plate margins in sagittal plane and coronal plane, medial pedicle line, and facet edge in axial plane forms a new philosophy 3Z3W system for stenosis. The idea is simple. Degenerating spinal segment is to bony rings and a middle soft tissue ring. The changes only occur in the middle ring or its shared margins with adjoining bony rings. We address the middle ring without breaking the bony rings unlike in open surgery. The posterior part of the rings is sloping down and not in same horizontal plane. Initial transforaminal surgery for disc herniations was only addressing this one zone, middle zone soft tissue ring. We would like to classify the lumbar canal in three-dimensional volume-related zones to make it easy to appreciate and target symptom generators. This division is primarily in sagittal but added axial and coronal plane and addresses all symptom generators by one single transforaminal axis under local anesthesia. New philosophy and practice is based on transforaminal axis to three zones, supradiscal, discal, and infradiscal, and three walls, anterior, lateral, and posterior, in three planes, sagittal, coronal, and axial, for three causes namely changed disc margins, facet margins, and ligamentum flavum causing claudication in stenosis, under local anesthesia by stitchless surgery. Zones are based on end plate margins at disc. These are supradiscal blue, discal orange, and infradiscal green zones. In cross-section we divide the walls around the dural sac and nerve roots as anterior, lateral, foraminal, and posterior. Foramen is present in lateral wall of supradiscal and middle discal level and close to lower zone. In lower lumbar levels, lower zone lateral recess part is hidden inside the pedicle as pedicles are oblique outwards. The concept of symptom generators is based on proximity of in wall changes around known neurovascular structures. In stenosis, main pathology is compression and venous congestion, unlike inflammation and compression seen in disc herniations. We may concentrate on location of neurovascular compression due to changed structures close enough to roots and thickle sac. Nerve roots as symptom generators are fixed in location for upper and lower zone causes and inner facet wall holes key to middle zone central stenosis WRT intrathecal traversing roots. Location of these changes commonly is unchanging or relatively same and so easier to access in relation to bony landmarks in 3Z3W surgery. The awake-aware patient helps in auto-neuromodulation and improving safety. Our surgery done in sagittal plane reaches all zones and walls through foraminal axis. It is the method by default for stenosis in our hands. With time, maturity, experience and confidence then we could think of zero. Bony walls of the canal do not change, but it's only soft tissue ring 
and its adjoining borders that change and need attention. 1. Locationally fixed route in root canal. At entry as traversing, entering, route, and a exit as exiting route. 2. Changes at or around axilla and initial exiting route part due to SAP tip and tissue around stretching the interradicular part of the thecal sac. 3. Changes seen in anatomy around these areas not affecting nerve function directly but only after affecting vascular venous arterial system and maybe breaking nerve vessel barrier. 4. Since we were already landing close to the nerves, an axilla in question then graduating to channel plasty by understanding all pathoanatomical changes, correlating images to them. 5. Since it is not a vocal or pain-causing change, it is easier to classify it anatomically and in imaging, thus proposing my 3-zone three 3-wall three 3-cause three 3-plane three concept. 6. Number 3 zones are to bony rings upper and lower with middle soft tissue ring. Number 3 walls are anterior, lateral and posterior. Number 3 causes are disc margins, facet margins and ligamentum flavum. Number 3 planes are sagittal, coronal and axial. 7. Changing our axis to foramen in sagittal plane from midline posterior in coronal to address all zones, all walls in all planes. 8. Essentially making surgery as lateral decompression rather than posterior midline decompression. 9. This necessitates a detailed focused study of anatomy basic, dynamic and changed in degeneration. The unchanging bony ring is anteriorly body and in middle pedicle in same horizontal plane and posteriorly downward sloping lamina and spinous processes. The middle ring anteriorly is disc with PLL cover. Middle is foraminal ligaments and lateral foraminal ligamentum flavum that is contiguous with subarticular soft tissue cover and posteriorly oblique sloping ligamentum flavum, interlaminar tissue and supraspins ligament. Ligamentum flavum traverses obliquely from upper foramen to middle subarticular area onwards to interlaminar area in all three zones. It is known to extend out of foramen as intertransverse ligament and medially posteriorly as interspinous ligament. If in sagittal view we look in horizontal plane, interlaminal area shows us tissue between to downward sloping bony rings that is below or in lower plane than of body and pedicle and disc. Interlaminal axis after breaking both bony rings is used to remove ligamentum flavum that does not lie in same accessed horizontal plane. This bony ring break is needed to reach the compressing areas at exiting root or entering root that lie in different tissue plane, above or below the plane of entry. It may however cover interlaminar soft tissue easily. Open surgery is posterior midline axis, laminectomy for central and extending to subfacet area by facet removal for lateral canal and may be added stabilization as per need as a standard solution. The posterior midline axis did not always lead us to targeting real symptom generators in stenosis as it was lost in generalities and older ideas of bony diameters that are now seen to be irrelevant.
It only resulted into multiple ways of removal of posterior canal wall incrementally including non-relevant ligamentum flavum or stable part of bony rings to decompress cauda equina inside thecal sac or extra thecal roots. Instead of aimless look at the images, we now know where changes occur and so can be detected with specific focus on those areas. The anatomical and pathophysiological reality that has emerged now is different for transforaminal axis and surgery with better precise interpretation about symptom generators. Better timing of surgery is also possible as we ascertain presence of dynamic chronic cauda equina compression in central stenosis. Mental imagery for a traditional surgeon acting on stenosis is different than a transforaminal surgeon. I am more precise and directed to sub-centimeter root cause rather than a morbid axis that only follows outdated guidelines to hidden zone of MacNab, without any efforts to overcome difficulty in reaching hidden zone or uncover what really matters and is hidden in that peripedicular zone. X. In stenosis, 1. At entry to root canal in lower zone where commonly causes are anterior or lateral to root. 2. Exiting root in upper foramen or upper zone causes are situated laterally to dural sac or in roof of foramen. 3. Compression of intrathecal traversing roots by facet walls posterolaterally bilaterally and additionally subarticular area. This is mainly by ligamentum flavin. Once we understand the significance of this concept, then choice of access to those locations of changed structures may be automatically transforaminal in a large number of suffering patients. X. We land in the foramen between two vertebral rings on middle level lateral wall. We commonly get anchored in annulus, facet, and sap ventral area is always in our view when we retreat in foramen. Rotating the cannula will make our view wider towards shared borders of the upper zone or lower zone. Anatomically changes of stenosis in upper zone foramen, wider part, are mainly around its roof, and in middle zone, which is smaller part of the foramen changes are more inside canal beyond foramen. So in upper zone soft tissue foramenoplasty may be needed and adequate, but in lower zone, we go ahead beyond foramen and do 360 degree channel plasty. Unanswered questions Issues of failure of non operative care, comorbid conditions in patients needing intervention at advanced age, duration of post OP recovery for a clinically significant difference to emerge, residual symptoms after surgery, post OP duration and quality of bladder and bowel function recovery need further attention. These are not dealt in this book. Quick Summary 1976 Transforaminal Surgery Started for Disc Herniation 1991, 1995 Got to Basic Concepts About Pain Generator and Anatomy of Posterolateral Axis I started 1999 2001 Published Evolving Methodology 2010 in vivo visualization, 2014 technique, etc. Around 2000 started one zone surgery, middle zone for disc. 2010 Goddess system introduced. 2010 added second zone surgery. 
upper zone surgery started for failed back and lateral ligamentum flavum related stenosis now since 2016 three zone three wall surgery